0: Shiva, a just rolled up. Oh my god, it's probably that Casper and his wild grunkles. Let me check. Wait, what? Discovery Channel? This is a raid. Oh my god, oh my god. It's those ghost adventure slobs.
1: Come out with your ectoplasmic limbs up.
0: Cheese it before they can measure our EVPs. Spooky Maddie, destroying the ghostly evidence, and you're listening to Anomalous.
1: and everybody for a tale about how the parent story got turned upside down this is anomalous parent family haunting part two i'm just cullen here to get scowled at the entire episode by my lovely co-host yeah spooky maddie Now, when you said yeah, were you Ariana Grande and then you became Spooky Maddie there?
0: I was Ariana Grande for a split second. The spirit of Ariana Grande entered me in and then I'm Spooky Maddie now.
1: You know what? I think you're even better than Ariana Grande. You're (laughs) You're Ariana Venti.
0: I hate... He made this joke like on our first date. And it worked, didn't
1: it? No, it didn't. I was mad. (laughs) Uh, Who's here two years later in the same house as me? Living with me. A
0: roommate,
1: I so <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> Who's who is in an arrangement where they pay half the rent and live in the same house as me? <laughs> I'm Spooky Maddie, and you're listening to Anomalous, where we speak on all things that go boom, but a boom, boom, boom in the night. <laughs> Extremely funny. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for our second parent family episode, our follow up.
1: You're watching that lively moment in Pokemon where they finally evolve, and we have evolved into a true, true crime, haunting, spooky time podcast with our first completed two-parter.
0: We really have. I'm not going to say too short at this time. (laughs) You
1: just did. (laughs)
0: Shit! Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, some announcements I want to shout out to all our new listeners, new followers. Uh... Just kidding! I posted that I started a podcast on my main Instagram. We didn't gain any followers, and I, in fact, lost followers.
1: You had gotten a few windfall followers under, like, a name mix-up sort of situation.
0: Don't tell them (laughs) in case they are listening. (laughs) They're not gonna listen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but actually...
0: Shout out to Emily if she's listening to this. She was our one follower who followed us from my main. Shout out to my coworker, Delaney. I don't think she's listened because she's still able to look me in the eyes at work.
1: <laughs> the second that that gaze is averted, you'll know. Oh, it. yeah. We've got another one in the bag. Oh, yeah. It's it's shameful. It's sh- I do shameful things on this. I'll burn every single one of my bridges at work if they listen to the freaking podcast for it. Oh, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> So this is our second episode, like we said, about the Perrin family haunting, a.k.a. the story behind The Conjuring. Sort of, kind of, not really, and I'm mad about it. The Conjuring
0: numero no, We watched The Conjuring last weekend. Both of them. Turns out
1: I had seen it and forgot it, so take that for what it is. He had seen
0: it, yeah. It was a fun time, though. I still like The Conjuring 2 better.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not, neither is a home run, but neither is a failed bunt either. (laughs) You (laughs) know? Oh my god, that was
0: such a failed bunt of you. Wow. (laughs) That strategy?
1: That was a failed bunt of itself. (laughs) It really
0: was. I like them. And I'd say I'm more into horror movies than just colour. H-O-R-R-O-R? Come on, man. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: This early in the morning? It's one (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Well,
0: I just had breakfast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Duncan. Thank
0: you, Duncan. (laughs) That's a future thanks for when you sponsor us.
1: That thanks is on hold. We want you all to pull out a notebook And write down all of the Duncan Orders that you will get off of our recommendation once we get the sponsorship. That's so genius. Yeah, it'll never fail.
0: Yes. So today we will be speaking on the true story behind the true story of The Conjuring.
1: (laughs) And if you haven't listened to the first episode, just finish this one, write down all your questions, go listen to the other one. Write down questions you have from that one and come back and listen to this one again. And then, to completely understand the story, share us on Instagram. <laughs>
0: share it at an anomalous podcast. Follow us up. Yeah, so we're kind of going to touch on the after effects of the parent story. What happened when it received the limelight. Absolutely. So... Considering the terrifying tale we covered in episode one, it's undeniable that oblique horror reared its ugly head inside the Perrin family farmhouse. What we try to parse in this episode is, were ghosts and demons truly to blame, or is the truth darker still? The second, often untold part of the story makes one thing clear, the Perrins weren't the only family to have their lives destroyed in the house.
1: But a very, very quick recap, just in case you are the sort of psychopath who would only listen to the second part of this, which I guess I fall in the camp of because I like skeptical stuff. Perrin family moved into this super old 1700s farmhouse, got spooked by ghosts, continued to get spooked by ghosts. It got way worse and worse and worse. And then the warren showed up, made everything even worse than that, did a seance. It got the worst it ever got. They left and then eventually the parents moved out
0: hmm. And I'm just saying shows you how silly skeptics are if they're like, let me just listen to the second one in the two part episode. Wow.
1: Next time. Dumb! We- <laughs> Next time we're putting it first.
0: Oh my gosh, numbers don't go that way. It's It's not the skeptical one, let me be clear. We're just kind of elucidating some of the facts of the story. So, where we left the story last time. In 1980, after nearly 10 years terrorized by the spirits in the Arnold Estate, the Perrin family fled to a new home in Georgia. Thankfully, the paranormal events did not follow them. Despite the hardships that the parents endured in the house and Carolyn's fear that it could have killed her, the departure was bittersweet. Ten years is a long time, and the five parent daughters had grown up in the old farmhouse. As such, the parents kept an eye on the house, particularly the eldest daughter, Andrea. The house was bought by the owners of a neighboring lot who immediately set about renovating the farmhouse. According to Andrea, the house's next resident was the man brought in to complete the renovations. She said he ran out of the house on his first night, completely terrified, leaving his tools, clothes, and car behind.
1: So though the haunting was mostly focused around Carolyn, the mother... As we get into the post-story, Andrea, the eldest daughter, who was like 11 or something, maybe 12 when they moved in and finished high school right before they left, she sort of takes on the torch of this and tries to tell the story. She wrote a trilogy called House of Darkness, House of Light, and she was also involved in the making of The Conjuring movie. So she comes up as the main voice talking about the haunting after the family had left.
0: Yeah, for sure. You'll see pretty much all of this information comes from Andrea. She is the main figurehead of The Haunting and their experience they've had. I mean, she wrote a whole trilogy of books on it and seems to have dedicated for
1: how much she <laughs> she blabs on about it. Seems, I was waiting the entire time for you to find it. You were dancing on the edge of turning negative.
0: Yeah, it seems like she's dedicated her life to telling people about her childhood, and it's like, (laughs) get a therapist much?
1: Honestly. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, through the 1980s, the house seemed to have had a few different residents. Andrea says all of them reported paranormal experiences at one time or another, but not many specifics are available about these experiences.
1: Was she just camped out in the front yard, like in a tree, one of those weird hunting nests that old men climb up into when they're on vacation with a pair of binoculars just looking in the <laughs> windows of a house. Imagine checking in every year on your childhood home just to see what's up with the new people inside.
0: I check every two weeks with my childhood home.
1: Your family yeah. is still there. Yeah. We go and have dinner. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah. Like every no. Two weeks.
1: <laughs> imagine if you moved out and a stranger moved into that house and you were just like, let's have dinner and chat about whether you've seen a spirit.
0: People do that.
1: People definitely do that.
0: I will say uh, my dad, sometimes when we were bored on the weekends, he would just drive us around town to his old childhood houses. Yeah. You drive by it on the outside. You don't <laughs> drive by
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You fire upon it with an Uzi from the curb, but you don't knock on the door and interrupt someone's day. No, people do that. People definitely do
0: that. I have seen so many discovery travel channel haunting shows. And it's a thing, especially with the haunted house community, I'd say. I guess so. I will say her dedication is a little next level. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of that story of like the watcher of like this anonymous person who watched this house and like sent creepy letters to the new residents. She's pretty much doing that, but just not anonymously.
1: <laughs> I like to imagine like the new residents are going through the house and they lean up against one of the walls and it creaks a little bit. and They're like, what? I didn't know there was a door here. And they swing it open and she's just inside with like a cup of tea and a book. She's like, oh, you finally
0: found the hidey hole. (laughs) Honestly. And then they're like, wow, I've had a terrible experience in this house. And she's like, ghosts? So I know you. No, it's you.
1: And then she scampers out of the house and she's like, check upstairs. You'll find me in a while. Everyone who has
0: lived in the house since has reported unwanted visitor. (laughs) Visitors? Visitor. (laughs) Yeah, so in the late 80s, the house was purchased by the Sutcliffs. The husband and wife couple said the 14-room farmhouse was their dream home. This family, the Sutcliffs, will become important in a bit and throughout the rest of the story.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they were the next long-term residents after the parents lived there and then moved out. Because there seem to be some owners in and out. We'll make, like, kind of references to them. But the Sutcliffs are the next big ones. Yeah, for
0: sure. And that is a long time. It's so fucked. Like 1980 was forty years ago.
1: Yeah, it was. That's crazy. We so we weren't alive at the time. It doesn't No, have much it
0: no, yeah, so but yeah. still time's arrow. It
1: just makes me think like 1980, a time before I was born, was just, just oh, a couple weekends back. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> I remember nineteen eighty like it was yesterday. Oh wait a second.
1: I wasn't born. Ah, you're just <laughs> bouncing around in two separate people. 911. <laughs> <laughs> 911. My boyfriend's talking about how I was one of my mom's eggs in her ovaries again. Stop!
0: <laughs> They're like, all right, we got him. Shoot you, dead. <laughs> oh, sniper takes me out through the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've been waiting. <laughs> So, going back to the Sutcliffs, as Colin mentioned, they were the only long term resident after the parents. These homeowners after the parents are a story of their own. The couple, called the Sutcliffs, moved to the house and lived there from the late 80s to the late 2010s, around 30 years. Even longer than the
1: parents. Yeah, quite a bit longer actually.
0: Interestingly, they reported experiencing some strange occurrences in the house, like hearing footsteps and far off talking, as well as doors mysteriously opening and closing. They also said they saw like the husband's office chair
1: vibrating. Right. They showed up and did interviews in, like, Ghost Hunters, and they filmed there, and they also did an interview with Andrea before the Conjuring movie came out that, like, went up on her YouTube channel. But mostly the wife had done interviews and noted a couple of things that could be easily interpreted as ghost activity, but she did, like, kind of lean towards it could be explained other ways. But clearly she was having a little bit of fun with it. She was like, I don't know, maybe it's haunted. It's kind of a good time.
0: Yeah, I heard that the only thing she saw, other than, like, you know, the chair vibe like a physical thing she saw was like a blue light move through the house and her husband said that one day like inside their house it was foggy they seemed to like entertain the idea that the house was haunted for a time so the wife was very big on saying like Well, I'm into the scientific explanation. She didn't give any scientific explanations, but she was like, there probably are some.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like later on, they would actually regret playing along. Yeah. So
0: later, um, and we'll get into why they would be prompted to do this. The Sutcliffs would categorically state that the house was not haunted, To them, they said it was just an old house with quirks like any other.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an old house and it had a reputation beforehand because of the parents. So, you know, when you hear weird shit move around inside of a poorly built 1790s house, you're going to be like, is it ghosts or is it just all of the lead piping slowly killing us.
0: That's fair. And we'll get into it more. It's not like they said, oh, actually we didn't experience noises or whatever, but they were just clearly skeptics and were like, no, it's not haunted. And they definitely didn't have obviously as intense of an experience that the parent family had.
1: Definitely not. Yeah. They weren't thrown around the room or like, Thank God they didn't have their oranges in their fridge fucked with and turned into blood.
0: You don't want that. And an orange is just a nice,
1: refreshing snack. Have you heard of them? <laughs> have you heard of oranges? <laughs> if you haven't heard orange. of oranges, we're going to get you up on the hottest <laughs> yeah. trend in fruit. Get on
0: this orange. (laughs) So the Sutcliffe's pointed out that a minister had lived in the house for a few years and never reported anything supernatural. Lorraine Warren would then come out at the same time to say he wouldn't have told anyone if something had occurred. Um, Colin Adz's editorializing is pretty much calling a minister a liar. (laughs) Yeah it's
1: more or less this devoted Catholic woman calling a I'm pretty sure ministers are reformists aren't they? Is oh, that a that's term great. that's been used since 1800? <laughs> <laughs> they're, oh, ref- they're trying to reform the church. Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking
0: <laughs> no, I, about? Yeah, I think
1: they're just a minister is from a Christian sect, not a Catholic sect. She, as a deep Catholic, is calling a minister a liar because he definitely experienced ghost activity in the house. He just wouldn't. He would never tell. That's that
0: Catholic shit, being
1: haunted. Mm.
0: (laughs) Couldn't be me, Presbyterian Polly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Man, I really thought this doll would be more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Really what I'm doing here is I'm calling Lorraine Warren a liar.
0: That's all you ever do. Yeah,
1: it's mostly it's what I do. It's ruining our relationship. <laughs> I've been muttering it in my sleep. There's three of us. It's me, you, and Lorraine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? Your defense is ironclad. I can't stand up against it. Yes, Ed was a pedophile, but his wife? Truthful till the day she died. I didn't say truthful <laughs> till the day she
0: died. I just think it's fun. Not the pedophilia part. Thanks Ed for clarifying that.
1: Thanks for run. saving our skin for another day by clarifying that. I would kill him if I had the chance.
0: Chance, but I, he's dead already. Yeah, I did not have the chance.
1: She didn't have the chance. I'm glad that we circled all the way back around to like a post-mortem death threat on an old man. Oh,
0: you have to. <laughs> you it happens every episode. Guess what the it's dis- an
1: Easter egg. It's all the description <laughs> of this one talks about is we threatened Ed Warren's life despite him already being dead.
0: You gave us purposefully the reputation of an anti-grandparent. <laughs> yeah. Vodka.
1: Specifically grandma, but yeah. That's, I, 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 pres-
0: I specifically did not bring that up.
1: Down with Lorraine. Damn.
0: Well, down with Ed too. He was a pedophile and. Nah, yeah, yeah, he's, all, I mean, a he's already fairer. He's already down. I'd say. That's I mean, between heck. him. <laughs> nice. In 2013, the movie The Conjuring was released. A semi-fictional. <laughs> I see the shade you're throwing here. Let Let's just. It's pretty much assumed if any story hits
1: Hollywood that it's like. More like Holly boob nice free holly boob free, free holly, holly boob, boob. <laughs> we're like a month and a
0: half late to this oh yeah i love that meme It's like i wish all people with boobs a very can i see them <laughs> 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 i'm by maddie um no, just send your t- send your titty pics to our PayPal down below. <laughs> wow. So in 2013, the movie The Conjuring was released, a semi-fictional horror film based off the Warrens case files. Immediately after the movie hit theaters, life became very difficult for the house's residents. Onlookers and trespassers became rampant and a constant stress. Yeah, that's to be expected, and that's pretty shitty. <laughs>
1: it's very shitty. I started out being like, oh, wow, shitty that the release of this movie included enough details to ruin that person's life. And then I listened to some of the testimony of Mrs. Sutcliffe, and I was like, oh, is this just an old white lady complaining about people on my yard. <laughs> uh, and then I listened to the next 25 minutes of her going through specific encounters with people on her property. Yeah. And just being screamed at, apparently there was someone who recorded a video that almost hit a million views of someone just running up, setting the Annabelle doll in their porch and screaming, she's gonna get ya, and (laughs) running away.
0: Yeah, wasn't that like in the middle of the night? Yeah, right in the middle of the night. That is fucked. You know, I get that it's like the true story, so, and you know, people will get the names out, but I want to say, Warner Brothers didn't really do anything to stop these onlookers from the house. Yeah. And, I mean, they kind of set them up to just have a really annoyed existence.
1: Yeah, they didn't contact them before the movie was put out, and they certainly haven't helped them since.
0: Yeah, so that is pretty decidedly
1: shitty on the studio. But... It started the investigation of Mrs. Sutcliffe, who, in her rage, began putting together a full hour-long documentary about all of the claims that the Perrin family and Andrea Perrin had made over the course of the last 40 years.
0: After being unable to defend the peace of their home with fences and no trespassing signs, the residents took a new, Just Cullen-approved approach. Ding. They began to meticulously research and debunk the story of the house. They worked with local historians and dug through historical records to disprove the claims of the conjuring, the Warrens, and the Perrins. Mrs. Sutcliffe put together an hour-long video addressing, with documentation, every last detail. Cullen loves this video.
1: <laughs> it's a pretty great video. I'll say the first third slaps. Killer all the way through. The last two thirds, you know what, I'm just going to say it's good nice. It's not great.
0: What we're going to do is kind of go through the story again and see the real up-to-date facts about what historical records say happened. So
1: We're diving deep into the shade that Miss Sutcliffe is pouring all over the original Perrin story.
0: Yeah, so the information in this section is thanks to the Sutcliffe's very well-evidenced research in addition to other sourced articles as As we said, if you start to look into this, people have very strong opinions, and they had a pretty good reason (laughs) to.
1: Yeah. We'll get into. And she's not the only person to try to push back against these claims. Clearly, she has a personal investment in this, but there are plenty of other articles, mostly from people that admittedly have the same sort of like unapproachable, negative, unfun demeanor that I do. Yeah. That are all saying, here's all of this stuff that doesn't really make any sense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people who are just, like, even sadder and angrier than just Colin
1: Oh yeah, a Which is impressive. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. You gotta hand it to him. It's oppressive. We've <gasps> made this same joke before, I guarantee you.
0: The Sutcliffe's viewpoint was very clear from this point on. Quote, I never seen anything in the house that couldn't be explained away by other things. End quote. And at this point, they said many times that the house is certainly not haunted.
1: Yep. They made a pretty firm stance clarification after the movie came out. They're like, yeah, we might have heard some stuff, but it is not haunted. Stop coming here.
0: Yeah. Um, and I get it. Even as a true believer, if there were fucking people coming to my house at all hours of the night, I'd be like, no.
1: You think no. A, you think a ghost is going to show you its tits here at 3 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking rube. She's not.
0: She's not. I, get to,
1: I just get to look at old Bathsheba's tits. That's it. <laughs> Me and my husband. That's the thing. They paid for the house. You pay for the house. You pay for the tits. You get the tits. You're
0: canceled.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: got him. We got him, boys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shot again by the sniper.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We did it, Joe. <laughs> So let's start from the beginning and see what the Suckless research brings to light about the history of the house. From the first day, the parents said that the family who had occupied the house for many generations before them experienced consistent ghost activity. I thought this said ghost play, and I was like, that's, that's, that's too oddly saucy. sexual.
1: <laughs> Andrea was all over this. She was constantly like, oh yeah, everyone who's been in the house afterwards has seen and interacted with the ghosts.
0: Yeah, and as the story goes, what a big point. They even said that they were warned cryptically about it when they moved in by the previous owners saying, quote, leave the lights on at night, end quote.
1: There's only one issue with that. The family that occupied the house for like a ton of generations before they sold it to the Barons. They ended up writing letters to the Historical Societies and the Sutcliffs, basically saying, no, we never thought it was haunted. And as far as the leave the lights on at night, Ms. Sutcliffe has an almost comically simple explanation to that.
0: Mrs. Sutcliffe would clarify that the leave the lights on at night statement probably was in reference to the fact that there is one bathroom in the house and it's at the very far end of the house opposite the bedrooms. And I believe downstairs as well, like across the staircase.
1: It's at one end of this long house opposite all of the other rooms. So
0: if you want to go to the bathroom at night, you probably should leave the lights on. Or even just
1: navigate the house at night.
0: Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Navigating the house. I don't, No, maybe having such a huge house, maybe i leave the lights on or else a raccoon will come in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you don't want a raccoon coming in. And I'll say this much, when you are forced up out of bed because you need the bathroom that badly, you need to pee that much, if you're walking through the house and you stub your toe on a wall, you're going to piss your pants. Oh, yeah. Because you're already devoting your entire mental and physical faculties to holding it.
0: That is what the Sutcliffs who lived in the house for thirty years were like, "Yeah, maybe you should leave the lights on, but because the bathroom is very far away, and there's only one,
1: yeah, there's one in the whole house. We have a little plug-in night light that's um red and like just shines a little bit of red light so you can see around without it like destroying your night vision. Seeing Creature, our dog, (laughs) lay underneath that nightlight at night is one of the most terrifying things in my entire life. Purely demonic. It really is. Yeah, well, you just don't like the way he looks in general.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sad. So as for Carolyn's research, as we said in the first episode, as the ghost activity became the norm in the parent house, Carolyn said she went to investigate the history of the farm in nearby Chepachit. Supposedly, her research revealed that the Arnold Estate was the site of over a dozen violent deaths and suicides, setting
1: up many characters for the parents and Warrens to focus on. She really did a trip and came back with a full cast list of ghosts that could have been in her house. Yeah,
0: And, you know, as we explained thoroughly in the first episode, it was reported that she also went to these libraries and she talked to historians and she got all these stories. But, you know, what's the truth? Because we'll see from other historians here.
1: Looks like she was just looking for characters. Like when you and I took that trip to Atlantic City to try to find body doubles that look like us for our insurance scheme. But no one had the spice to them. They didn't have the X factor. Even just in examining my burnt molars, you can tell that there's a little X factor in there. True. They're
0: like, wait, but not as charismatic as is seen on the dental x rays? <laughs> So the local historian who was active in the 70s actually went on record to dispute Carolyn's claims, which is tough for her. Though she remembers talking to Carolyn about some of the house's history, she said she had never even heard the rumors supporting Carolyn's claims. So Carolyn did not get this information, it seems, from the historian.
1: Yeah. Three guesses for the name of this local Rhode Island historian. It's a woman and she's white. And the game starts now. Karen. Mmm, close. You're in the right end of the alphabet, I'll give you that.
0: <laughs> it's like in the middle.
1: Oh, I was thinking C. But no K's at the beginning. Brenda. Even closer to the right letter. If I get this, I'm a psychic. Amanda.
0: I'm not a psychic! Oh, no. What was it? It's Edna. Oh, you that's th-
1: terrible. But <laughs> you that, were you know- thinking too young. Yeah, that Remember, is... Remember, she's a 30-year-old woman in the 1970s. Oh, yeah, that is the name of your local
0: historian yeah. in the East Coast. I feel
1: like if you would just sat in the spicy broth of 1970s local Rhode Island historian, Edna would have come to you.
0: hmm Absolutely. So further, another historian pointed out that there wouldn't have been documents about the house or neighbors in the Chick collection. It wasn't the right region of Rhode Island. That is kind of strange. Yeah. Why when, didn't she go to like her local historian?
1: Oh, you don't want Chippichick for any documents about that old house. You want to go to the Dong Google? <laughs> nice. <laughs> or maybe down to Vong Zogel, Rhode Island? That's right. You want to check that out? I'm just going to say Traces probably. I don't think so.
0: Agree to disagree, (laughs) and you're canceled. Wow. So documents from the time prove that none of the gripping deaths the Warrens or parents say happened at the house actually occurred there, and that is one of the big things. It's really none of this happened on the property.
1: Yeah, of the deaths that actually happened the way Carolyn said they did, none of them really happened at the house or on the property at all.
0: Yeah, so the murder of the young girl Prudence Arnold is one event that actually did happen. Carolyn said it occurred in the house and her spirit never left. Paranormal investigator and psychic Lorraine Warren said she had visions of the house's pantry covered in blood. There's just one problem, though. Prudence Arnold died in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, they also kind of got close but no cigar with the name of her killer. Andrea in her book said that Carolyn and the psychics called him Bill Norton when his name was William Knowlton. Interesting. Yeah. Seems like kind of a, a miss here and then they tried to, to swing it. That's tough because you just you fact check that. <laughs> yeah. You should maybe look into who actually killed this little girl, but it's okay.
0: That's all right. Remember that viral video of... The little girl getting killed? No! Of that psychic. Like, the interviewer shows her a picture of her as a child, and she's like, what happened to this child? And the psychic's like, she's dead. And then she's like, it's me!
1: I am this child. That was crazy cuckoo bananas. Mm -hmm. That's our official (laughs) (laughs) analysis of that video. So, two more spirits
0: that Carolyn identified in the house were Susan and John Arnold, both suicides inside the home. Carolyn may have even seen Susan's spirit with her neck broken, yelling at her to get out, get out, I'll drive you out with death and
1: gloom. If you remember from the first episode, she was very rudely awoken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's always rude to awake a woman. It was already 12 o'clock. we <laughs> was supposed to record today. You were just scrolling <laughs> on your phone. I could see it. And then <laughs> it I'm weird. like, hey, did you want to... Go get Duncan, you know, ritual before the podcast. And you scratched me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you made me wait like 40 minutes to play Tetris.
1: Yeah, I like to play Tetris. He likes
0: it. While Susan Arnold did die by suicide via hanging, it did not happen in the house. The story of her death is sad and all too ordinary. Further, John, maybe actually called Edward Arnold, died of exposure on his way back to the house. His body was found on another property in the surrounding area.
1: Yep, he just took a trolley a ways away from the house. He tried to walk home after that, and the cold got him. It's really cold up there in that part of Rhode Island.
0: That's very sad. And yeah, Susan Arnold was suffering from depression and she had died by suicide while John was out talking with
1: neighbors. And this was at a house that they had a while after living in the Arnold estate. So it wasn't the same property at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Just a really sad story of two
1: deaths that are not really connected to the Arnold property. But someone tied it back to the house. As part of the story of the supposed ghosts inside. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of that here. Just being like, well, to the house then. To the house then. More than likely, people in the eight generations of the house did die inside from old age, injury, or disease, but none of the gruesome tales have really any supporting evidence. The only somewhat odd death was a man named Jarvis who was walking home drunk and took shelter in the Arnold Estate barn where he died. He had been accused of a murder at one point, but was found innocent.
1: And that showed up in his obit, which apparently they just did at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you were involved in any drama, they really got the last word on your ass <laughs> after you died because you were too drunk to get home. That's not cool, but I should have done it for Rash Limbaugh.
0: Nice. Got it. Got that fucker. Rot. I'm sure some of them mentioned it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh
1: yeah.
0: They're like, this piece of shit. <laughs> <It's that. laughs>
1: More like slow limbaugh. Whoa. <laughs> 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 Fucking brick. Got him. Got him. So good.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, here is a biggie. On something you, like a lot of people, might have a lot of strong feelings about. So what about Bathsheba? She, according to the Warrens and Perrins, was the most violent spirit in the house, and, according to the Conjuring movie, the villain. Carolyn's research found that, in life, Bathsheba had killed a baby with a knitting needle in order to sacrifice it to the devil. Later, she hanged herself in the home, and her body turned to stone. Her spirit reportedly tormented the family and maybe invited demonic entities into the house. However, in the real historical records of Bathsheba Sherman, there are no suggestions of infanticide, witchcraft, devil worshipping, or that she ever lived in the Arnold house.
1: Yeah, it seems like everything that was said about Bathsheba and turned her into this devil-worshipping, possibly demon-summoning, violent ghost that killed a baby was all pretty much made up.
0: Yeah, what do we know of the real Bathsheba? Well, we know that she was born in Rhode Island in 1812 and married Judson Sherman in 1844. They were ages 32 and 33, respectively. Bathsheba had one child, Herbert, at age 37. Some sources suggest that she had three more kids. However, none of them survived past
1: seven. Pretty common for the time. Not because she stabbed them with a knitting needle. No,
0: there are in fact no court records of her involvement in a trial for murdering a child. In fact, there are no records of any child being killed by a knitting needle at all. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of rumors floating around this. I have heard that a child she was babysitting may have died in her care, but once again, there's no record of that. And I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, there wasn't enough evidence for trial, but everyone knew. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll see evidence that she was still respected by the town until she died. Bathsheba also did not die by suicide. She lived to the age of 73, getting to see her son start a family of his own. Bathsheba ended up passing away from a stroke, which paralyzed her, which may have led to the kind of like turn to stone theories. Which is just kind of mean spirited. That's not polite. Not polite. And so something that people will say is evidence that the town didn't crucify her, like of the public opinion, was that she was given a Baptist funeral and buried with her husband, her original husband.
1: Yeah, and her obit just was like... Here's a woman who lived and died, and here's her son. It never mentioned any rumor, nothing bad about her whatsoever. Exactly. Her obituary mentioned
0: nothing of any town rumors, which was the custom at the time. Everything suggests Bathsheba was an upstanding, even somewhat modern woman who lived a good life nearby the Arnold estate.
1: She was 32 when she got married and married a man who was 33 that's weird as shit back then if yeah. you've listened to any of our episodes I mean good on them good on them for not making us have to mention how creepy their marriage is because so far what have we racked up we've racked up cousin marriage we've got a lot of cousin up, marriages. Uh, huge age disparity marriages and we're not talking age gap love here it's, it's uncomfortable it's illegal <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And she lived very long to 73. I think it's, it's pretty clear that she lived like a fine life. So back then, like when we live in a society back then it was important, like your public opinion. And if she was ostracized by society... It did not show. She just lived a normal life.
1: Yeah. The ability for police to solve crimes, having gotten so much better in the recent years, really lessened the importance of public shaming. Yeah. Because back in the day, like, you could get away with stuff super easy. And really, the only consequence most of the time was, if people kind of knew that you did it, (laughs) they were kind of dicks to you. Yeah. Your neighbors would glare at you. (laughs) But nowadays, you can actually prove a crime happened. Damn. So you, we don't need, you don't need to moon our neighbor, James, every, every fucking time. day.
0: <laughs> every day. And that's just for no reason. Yeah. He has nothing
1: wrong. He talks to us when we're in our yard and it's like, this is our private space. Yeah, that's weird to me. That's trespassing, technically. <laughs> His words, at least, are start trespassing <laughs> yeah. into our yard. In fact,
0: there was evidence that she was like a church girl who goes to church and reads her Bible. Bible. And there's a lot of times where you're like, after someone passes, they're like, what, what is this book of witchcraft?
1: They did find one book, and after making a couple recipes out of it, they did think it was witchcraft, because all the treats were so tasty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> was it worth you sitting here for five minutes in silence while they put that joke together? I it, jotted it down on a piece of toilet paper.
0: It happened, so there's no use, just... Ah, shit, I've got these squares out of order. <laughs> no! <laughs> No use living in the past, all right? <laughs> we live and we learn. So very unfortunately, and this is why a lot of people have very strong opinions about why this matters, that the big story out in the public eye is incorrect. Unfortunately, her gravestone, which once again is right, it's she has a family plot, and her headstone are continually vandalized and destroyed, That's not cool. Don't do that. It's not cool. And a lot of articles I saw that were like, what's this new Conjuring movie about? Literally listed where her gravestone was. Yep. It's not cool. It's really disrespectful. And I don't know why people would. So presumably, like, you believe the story of the Conjuring. So presumably you believe in, like, ghosts or some shit. And then you desecrate a grave. (laughs) Not a
1: good (laughs) idea.
0: I don't understand. That's disrespectful. You're giving horror movie nerds and true believers a bad name.
1: Yeah. True believers don't go on property to check out a house where people are currently living and they don't kick over a gravestone because they heard someone was a witch. And why would a ghost give you the honor of
0: revealing themselves to you when you're just being a jerk about it?
1: Yeah. You you get what you give even with us, <laughs> Now that we sort of covered how sad Bathsheba's name being twisted is, maybe we can reflect a little bit on the story writing elements of it. How did they get it in that perfect zone with a knitting needle that it's not an actual weapon, but it's also like scarier than just using a regular household implement? If you hit someone with a globe off of your desk, that's a comedy movie. <laughs> oh my God. If you hit someone with a Christmas tree, that's a comedy movie. If you throw a steak knife at someone, that's an action movie. How is Knitting Needle perfectly horror?
0: That's the thing. When you hear the story, you're like... That can't be true. wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Okay, so if you're like me and you really believe in, like, an afterlife or anything, you should be even more sure that you're not just, like, saying these shitty things about her, about this woman who passed and had a perfectly normal life. Like, that should have an effect on you. That's not cool that her gravestone is always being vandalized. But here's a joke. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the thesis of our podcast the harshest no it's not
0: about basheba was like so funny that rush Limbaugh was against nice. trans rights when his gravestone is gonna become a uh, all-gender bathroom very
1: good <laughs> extremely fun
0: If you get anything, we really hope you took our word in the first one where we're like, hold out, hold out your opinions on Bathsheba's story for the second one. She was not like a devil-worshipping witch who sacrificed her child.
1: If you just listened to the first episode and already flew to Rhode Island and pissed on (laughs) Bathsheba's gravestone, you got too much time on your hands.
0: Yeah, and you shouldn't be traveling. We're in a pandemic.
1: It's unsafe.
0: So now that we have the real, real story behind The Conjuring, let's get into some theories about what, what the hecky duty. <laughs> do you, ha- you want to
1: retake that? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to broadcast across the airwaves what the hecky doody
0: <laughs> What the hecky duty is happening or happened? In the old Arnold estate and to the parents. So, you know, this is an after analysis of the story. We have like theories in two camps. It's not the most extensive theory section, but it really is just in the camp of did something supernatural happen or did something not supernatural happen?
1: For all of you hoping we're just going to explain all of this with aliens somehow. I understand the temptation, but you can't put it in every episode. You got to space it out. This one's fun on its own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll shoehorn it in pretty much any other. Oh, yeah. But not today. Not today. You're crying. (laughs) She's crying. So what really happened in the house? Perhaps the entire story was fabricated Here's a theory that the story wasn't really true, but everyone had an okay intention. What a lot of people theorize, a lot of the skeptics nowadays theorize that maybe Carolyn did really believe that she was being haunted, that the house was haunted, but maybe she was dealing with some severe mental health issues.
1: There are other examples of experiences with ghosts, aliens, All sorts of paranormal or extraterrestrial interactions being explained with a episode of psychosis.
0: Yeah, so maybe she was convinced the house was haunted and she was really experiencing things. You could have been seeing or hearing things that weren't really there experiencing some sort of psychosis or psychotic break.
1: And that has to be extremely frightening as a child and would explain why the kids went along and the husband, Roger, really didn't go along with all of it and was more so concerned for his wife and the way that the Warren's investigation leading into her beliefs could have made things worse.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It could explain why no one else, like none of the other owners, really experienced anything similar or as severe. And it's very clear that this is what Roger believed. Um, he believed his wife was going through something very severe. And that is why he was not happy that the Warrens were there experiencing things, making things worse. And he was just really concerned about his wife's mental health. And, you know, The girls did say they experienced things, but the matriarch of the family who raised the children, I think she could easily pass on ideas as a parent to the girls.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by all accounts, Carolyn was like losing weight and was terrified and was having these experiences very genuinely. Could that trauma being passed on to the kids encourage them even later in life to have their own experiences with the house because it said Andrea would come along and have paranormal experiences or visions of her own coming back.
0: I think that those beliefs would be passed down and it's something it is less devastating to believe that there are ghosts in the house rather than like your mom is having suffering from like severe mental
1: health issues. And I don't even know if that would occur to a kid.
0: If you're indoctrinated to believe this event happened, it was like such a huge part of your childhood. I don't think it's going to be easy to let go as an adult. I mean, pretty much what psychology was based off of is like your parents fucked you up. Yeah. <laughs> um, But there is also the case. Uh, it's called like folia do. It's a shared psychosis and it can happen that a lot of people who are very close. So there has been evidence of like twins, relationship partners, and families. It it does happen in families that everyone has a, like a
1: shared delusion. Yeah. So, Madness for two in French, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, it could have been like, this is what the children were taught to believe.
1: Because, you know, I trust and believe my mother. You're not going to have these like five to eight. Ten-year-old girls seeing their mom like run around being chased by what she claims is a ghost, and they're just like, "Cool your freaking jets, mom. Sure. Chill out a little bit. Right? No one's no one's biting on your little line of line of BS here, ma'am." This theory, I think, if ghosts
0: weren't involved, this probably is the case. That this like was a very scary experience that Carolyn did have.
1: Honestly, for me, from our perspective, this is much more frightening than a genuine haunting. That's fair.
0: It's also something that makes you think like the stigma behind mental illness and especially things like psychosis is so strongly ingrained. That, you know, like I said, maybe the children would rather believe that there was ghosts rather than, like, their mom had a mental issue that could be treated.
1: (laughs) And even Roger is, like, more all right with a bunch of psychic investigators showing up than calling a psychologist to come look at his wife. Yeah, and, you know, especially. Not Not that it's his fault.
0: Yeah, especially at any point in the past like the 70s. And I think they were talking about that with the Enfield haunting, that the mom really didn't trust psychologists, like didn't want her child to be evaluated by a psychologist. Sure. You know, the story might be different if we didn't have this such a strong stigma against the mentally ill in our society. Absolutely. And it just uh, is interesting. It brings up two quotes. So the first kind of has to do with like that stigma. It was a quote from a filmmaker uh, and the filmmaker said something like, oh, well either Carolyn is crazy and all this was just made up and Carolyn's off her rocker or it was real and Carolyn is not off her rocker. And I think that is very toxic mindset. And it's just a shitty thing to say. And it kind of just shows the like opinions and the biases people have that it's not a shameful thing to experience psychosis. It's not something that people can help
1: (laughs) at all. Mental illness isn't something that people can control. So I was actually seeing this brave new therapy. I've been hearing about it's coming out of some of the big colleges. It's actually just like, take a chill pill. You know, just when you're having a lot of trouble, just don't.
0: Honestly, that's me at therapy, though, because they're like, well, you know, you have this like really extreme mental illness, which is OCD, and it's hard for you to function, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm built different, though. <laughs> I'm me. I'm built different. Yeah,
1: I, it's, I actually did hear you the other night, and you said, so how does my dump truck play into this? Honestly. Can my dump truck help me out of this? Can it shovel some of the mental illness out? the dump truck?
0: Unfortunately, it
1: can't. That's unfortunate.
0: If there wasn't such a huge stigma against mental illness, and particularly like psychosis and like psychotic disorders, then we might be telling a different story. It might not have been a movie, <laughs> a hit movie. And so I think, you know, just if you can, if you have the headspace, like, Start doing some of the work of breaking the stigma. I do the work by being unashamed and telling people and being very open that I uh, suffer from OCD, and it is something that you know I experience reality differently sometimes. And sometimes I think of like things that are not true and never happened, and my brain's just mean. So yeah, you know. So break the stigma. Oh, and it also reminds me of a quote from a skeptical society about the Warrens specifically. As we've alluded to before, so Ed was a demonologist and they were devout Catholics who, Catholics like believe in demons,
1: right? (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah, they're called Protestants. (laughs)
0: Damn! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, as a demonologist, for what I've seen, they tend to go there a lot, you know, be like, oh. There's a demon. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, that's their specialty. So I saw a quote from one of the skeptic societies, and all the skeptic societies who did interact with the warden say, like, you know, they're nice, and they mean well, but telling a mother who is, like, panicked and sure that her son is possessed by a demon that her son is possessed by a demon is like telling someone who is paranoid that the CIA is watching them, that yes, the CIA is watching them. And I think that's something to keep in mind <laughs> with this case, you know, the Warrens came in and they're like, oh yes, actually all these things did happen here. You're being haunted as shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The only demon that your son is possessed with is the demon of adolescence. Damn, honestly, though. The demon of just—I know you're trying to have an open household with no secrets, but give them a lock on their door.
0: <laughs> yeah, build trust. Build trust. Mm-hmm. Once again, that kind of mindset of just confirming what could have been a delusion is something that Roger was very concerned about as it was happening.
1: Yeah. So there's the idea that Carolyn was affected by it, uh, but there's also a slightly less innocent approach to the fabricated story.
0: Yeah, so another theory that we had was that this story was fabricated and the experiences were fabricated. Like Carolyn did not experience any of these things. She just uh, made it up for the motives of either cash or attention. Why does anyone lie on the internet? Well,
1: here's one question to start off. She clearly like helped fabricate some of these stories about the previous tenants in the house and the deaths that occurred, because a lot of the historical information came from Carolyn and her quote-unquote research. Do you think that those detailed results of her investigation could have happened Whether she was doing it on purpose or whether she was doing it because of her genuine, possibly psychosis ridden fear of the house. I think a thing that happens with
0: like hoaxes is there's this like one small idea. It's like, Oh, the house is haunted. And then it spirals, you know, this is something that always, always comes into question when a story becomes famous and hits like the public eye. Also always comes into question when the Warrens work on cases and it's an interesting question that you could pose about the Warrens because there are questions like the Amityville horror, which I believe the original people who lived in the house were like, yeah, actually we made that shit up. And it's like, were the Warrens just making things up or like... Did part of them believe it?
1: Were they also drawn in by the same ruse?
0: Yeah. And it's like, how much did Carolyn believe it? And what you are going to hear from most people besides like strong, strong skeptics is that the parents do seem pretty like genuine about it, but it's hard to say,
1: you know? Absolutely. I mean, of course, Carolyn could have researched this stuff and maliciously looked into details and made up stories. But also with certain mental illnesses, sometimes you are pushed to do a bunch of research and maybe get stuff wrong or fill in blanks in a scary way. Like if she heard secondhand about John Arnold and Susan Arnold's deaths, she -hmm. could have tied that back to the house because of her overriding like phobia of the home.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I could speak to that, Googling (laughs) WebMD. Oh, no, every time I have a headache, Googling Mm -hmm. and be like, wait a second. Do I have testicular
1: cancer? Seems like it could happen.
0: Oh, no, my testicles. Where are they? (laughs) But you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I do.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) want to give the Warrens the benefit (laughs) of the doubt, but we'll cover more stories about their escapades.
0: I think it is more likely that Carolyn, like, did experience these things. Sure. But... Especially when you look at how different the, like, quote-unquote history she looked up was. Yeah. And how dramatic (laughs) the history was that it just is not true.
1: Seems like if it was genuine, Carolyn was doing that thing that, like, you do in RPG video games where you, like, go up to the beggar on the street and hand them a coin and they tell you a rumor (laughs) about the town. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was like, I'm thinking that my house is probably haunted. What do you know about it? He's like, well, I have a couple of secrets, but maybe some coin would loosen my lips. And she throws a canvas sack full of, like, vintage dimes. <laughs> and he's like, well, I heard that Susan and John, and goes into all the details about the nonsense that ended up being believed.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And it seems that this story kind of does have, you know, if you're a, a doubter, <laughs> it has a lot of elements that you're like, mm. that is like so already
1: Hollywood-esque. Honestly, for eight generations to live in the house beforehand, and there weren't any documented spooky deaths, That's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, you at least expect your grandma to like slide down the stairs on her stomach like a penguin and hit her head on the front door. Oh my God. (laughs) You expect something like that to happen just by pure luck in the expanse of a house. Yeah. And I think a lot of people
0: uh, are left with a bad taste in their mouth with just how much the story Carolyn reported just does not match up with reality. The only thing is about just making up the story for goofs, it doesn't seem like Carolyn gained much from this story and this experience. And the option, the opportunity was given to her, like, oh, I'm gonna make this movie and make this book. And she didn't sell the rights.
1: She did turn down Lorraine originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So it, it is interesting, Carolyn, I Really don't think she gained anything from this. But I mean, of course, Andrea, this is like her whole life now. She wrote a series of books on it, but she was like 10 at the time.
1: (laughs) So she couldn't have really like pushed things forward. If at 10 years old she was thinking, I'm gonna write a trilogy about this and push a Warner Brothers slash New Line cinema movie about (laughs) it in order to make just sort of like a modest living. (laughs) If she was thinking that at 10 years old and then leaned into the ghost stuff, she's a fucking genius. She's 200 IQ.
0: Honestly, this is a roast at Enfield Skeptics. Was it all an elaborate prank from little girls? They've
1: done it before and they'll do it again. No, they have not done it before. <laughs> oh, well, the little girls in my playground convinced me. They were like, Cullen, no one else is strong enough to pick up this rock that's in the ground. You want to go pick it up? It turns out that they had dug out a piece of the concrete wall next to it and were getting boys to try to pull it out of the ground and they knew they couldn't. So they just <laughs> <laughs> Got your ass. It could be that there was a mix where Carolyn was genuine and obviously Andrea as a little girl was genuine. At this to the greatest extent that she could me, those little, Oh, there's a rock over here in the ground. You want to pick it up? They're <laughs> liars. They're all liars. It could be that they were all genuine and then the Warrens were in it to get a little bit of that notoriety, a little bit of that moolah, a little bit of that, hey, come look at our museum. Hey, come watch our movie, come read our book.
0: Yeah, and you know, it can be uh complex. There could be different intentions from different people or from the same people at different times. It could be that like Carolyn really did experience these things and Andrea as a child, like that was traumatic. she also felt like she experienced things But as she grew up, maybe she did realize, like, oh, my mom just had, like, some serious issues that she didn't get help with. And then
1: she was just like, oh, well, well, Uh let me still write a trilogy. (laughs) Let me get my bag, child. Honestly. Regardless, Lorraine was at least leaning into it in a fraudulent way to at least the degree that all psychics are. Because all of her predictions were BS. She was like, oh my god, this pantry is covered in blood from Prudence Arnold being murdered. No, it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Once again, who knows how specific. It could be hard to harness the psychic powers.
1: (laughs) So your your argument is maybe Lorraine's just not that good of a psychic. (laughs) She's just kind of shit.
0: It's like um, bagpipe players. Even the best, it's kind of sound bad.
1: Your jump
0: was bagpipe player? (laughs) What goes on inside your head? (laughs) Bad things. Bagpipe music. I have the OC disorder. (laughs) Using that as an excuse for my shit takes on the Warrens. (laughs) Um, So that kind of, I guess, leads us into our next set of theories, which is the house was haunted. Something supernatural
1: did occur. The fact that you just use bagpipes as a direct comparison to the Warrens and then also turn that into a transition, you might be the greatest Scottish TV host ever (laughs) to live. Thank you. I'm glad you... I'm glad I impressed you. Well, did I say the words, I'm impressed by
0: that? Oh, Well, you will find it, and I will not be hearing anything else from (laughs) you at this time. So it could be like the original story we were told from the parents, but remixed. So the malevolent spirit, I think we are very sure was not Bathsheba. The Warrens were in fact wrong in saying this. Or maybe the spirit was like, uh, my name's looks at the bathroom was like, Bath? Nice. Sheba.
1: She's a sheep outside. She's a Sheba Inu. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. That's safe. So yeah, the family dogs, a Sheba Inu. My name? Uh, uh, Bath. Sheba! Very good. That was a bath inu. No, that's not good. Bath Sheba? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Ready, ready. <laughs> Toilet Inu. Oh, fuck.
1: That's not a good name. Bath Sheba. <laughs> I've been stuck in an endless loop <laughs> redoing this bit for the last 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, so could be the Warrens were wrong. And Shocker! Carolyn was wrong. Or maybe the Mel. The malevolent spirit was, like, using an innocent woman's
1: name. Maybe. That seems like a pretty demonic thing to do. Honestly.
0: So this theory kind of goes that the story the parents told was true in terms of their experiences, but not in terms of historical accuracy because that was wrong. We know that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Andrea would actually go back on this original story about Bathsheba being the evil presence in the house, which is interesting. She put the blame on the Warrens. So she was like, well, that's just, that's what the Warrens said. So I don't know. I was a child. And she said that actually she, Andrea herself, contacted Bathsheba. And she was nice. She was not a malevolent spirit. Hmm. She was like, well... Yes, the haunting did happen. We did have these experiences. But of course, no, Bathsheba was not the malevolent spirit. And it could be a classic, according to Cullen, case of the Warren sensationalizing the
1: story. Just kind of like grabbing a thing and running with it. That is the entire skill set of a psychic: Is to take mm-hmm. a little fact and elaborate on it in a general yet specific way. Yeah nice (laughs) Uh, uh, loading defense for warren family (laughs) none found
0: (laughs) so they did have these warren case files ed himself was like this is gonna make a great movie (laughs) so i don't know to finish off this section of the theory it's an old house it's an old house you know great it could that's be haunted, really yeah. almost certainly haunted. Very good. It could be like a hub of supernatural activity. So like ley lines, <laughs> huh. you know, ley lines. So where these lines are, paranormal events tend to happen. And when they cross, it's like a huge hub. So it could be that maybe there was like a ley line that crossed in the Arnold house. And so that's when like a lot of the supernatural activity from the town centered in the house. Hmm. So, why things that happened just kind of near the house were able to like have their imprint in the Arnold estate?
1: That's interesting. So, you're saying that this is like the Dallas Fort Worth. This is the JFK mm-hmm. of ghosts. Oh, it's a hub. It's, <laughs> it's, a, a, it's hub. a major hub. It's a major hub.
0: Yeah. So, that would be the theory that the house was extremely haunted. Mm-hmm. There's another theory that I came up with that. There was a haunting, but it was actually Carolyn who was haunted. Ah, I see. Yeah. So the supernatural activity could be a result of Carolyn herself being like a conduit. And according to Andrea, Carolyn experienced some paranormal activity even after moving Obviously, like, not even close to what happened in the house. Yeah. So this also could explain why no other homeowners really had the same experience as the parents. And it also explains a lot of times, like, in the lore, if a mother or one family member, but it usually is the mother has some sort of, like, psychic sensitivity. It can be, like, passed down to the daughter's. So it could also explain why the daughters experienced things. That makes sense. And I think in the movie, (laughs) The Conjuring, the Warrens state something like, sometimes people are haunted, not houses. Huh. Yeah, it's another
1: theory. Yeah, there you go. So that kind of brings us to the final state of the house now. The Sutcliffs, unfortunately, probably because of the harassment, did end up selling the house. We're not sure if it was directly to the current owners or not. But in 2019, the house was bought by two self-proclaimed paranormal investigators who more or less operated as a sort of ghost tour shindig.
0: Yeah, obviously, they're not bothered by the people who want to investigate it because that's how they make money.
1: Everyone who trespasses onto their land, they're just like, that'll be $5, please.
0: As we stated early in the episode, the pair and girls still visit the house occasionally, especially Andrea, who says that it still feels like home. That's nice,
1: I guess. It's nice that she still has that positive connection to the house. But it is weird.
0: It's weird. Why didn't she buy it then?
1: You know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She can't dump all of her book sale money back into the freaking house. It's not going to get more new ghosts to write a book about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just angry now about how New Line Cinema. Like, I, I can see your rage. It's boiling. I don't like the direction they're taking, especially with... So I enjoyed the Conjuring movies. I really like The Conjuring too, And I think like the Enfield story is super interesting. The Warrens had no involvement in the Enfield story whatsoever. Nope. So that's like completely fictionalized that they came in and was like, what's up today, child? they such
1: the heroes in Conjuring too, and it's totally made up. It's amazing. I think it's coming to the point
0: where I may turn the other cheek when it comes to Conjuring 3. I hope for the best, but the fact that it is about a real murder case where someone really died... It's yeah. giving me a bad taste in my mouth. Um, And like, I just saw the like behind the scenes look, like first look in Conjuring 3 and they are interviewing Arnie Johnson, who's out of prison now. It does not sit right with me. It's, it feels so exploitative. And you know what? I may stay tuned. <laughs> I may completely
1: turn my cheek to the Conjuring movie and the Warrens. Here's the down low on all the conjurings if you're not already up on all of the true stories behind them. They're basically like a little kid's comic where the kid draws in themselves like he saves Superman Mm -hmm. from being destroyed by Lex Luthor. They make themselves the heroes, they make themselves like the ones who solved everything for the family when they either in real life in the Enfield case had nothing to do with it whatsoever. (laughs) Or in the case of the parents, made things actively worse.
0: Yeah, and like the parents themselves are like they made things worse and the hauntings never stopped. (laughs) But when you look up the stories and then yeah, you're watching it. Oh, my God. The war and propaganda is insane. I love Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, though. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, I just want to see how, like, what happens. Because it was a big thing. You know, the whole, like, the devil made me do it. And it was the first time that they wanted to be like, okay, they're innocent by the reason of demonic possession. But that didn't actually (laughs) fly in the trial. The defense said it was self-defense and he ended up getting convicted. So... I want to see if they are bold enough to make the Warrens the heroes once again. I want
1: to see the Warrens breaking him out of jail. (laughs) Busting down the walls like Bonnie and Clyde and then they bring him to the house where the haunting happened or whatever bullshit they're making up. And then they they get the cops to show up and arrest the ghost. (laughs) Put him in prison. Yeah, honestly the Ghostbusters. And then that ghost goes to Alcatraz and haunts the halls of Alcatraz and then it's a whole another movie and Conjuring 4 comes on on Conjuring
0: 4 yeah honestly I saw the first like 30 seconds of that first look of Contract 3 and I had to exit out because they were interviewing Arnie Johnson who was convicted of manslaughter and he was like yeah it was just like I blacked out and I was like oh no oh no for entertainment oh, no. purposes okay like I understand like documentaries but this is just a purely entertainment purpose it really does not sit right with me this is why like Anomalous is not a true crime podcast because I do not trust Cullen to be respectful
1: <laughs> <laughs> though you You consistently seem to forget that it is a comedy
0: podcast. Yeah, because I I just (laughs) want it to be like a fact podcast. Oh, my God. So if you want good, respectful, family-oriented, I'm changing our tune. We're not explicit. We're family-oriented. Wow. Ghostly entertainment. Listen to us. (laughs)
1: Like and subscribe. We've sworn so much this episode. I can't possibly edit it all out. I really don't think we have. I'm pretty sure that I have, for sure. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. But, like, yeah, give us the money you would pay for Conjuring 3. Yeah. <laughs> ticket. Give us on our PayPal down below.
1: Believe in us transitioning this show somehow into a G-rated program. <laughs> and believe in yourself. Believe in supporting indie artists.
0: Oh, very nice. <laughs> and believe in yourself.
1: And I'm going to give a uh, Believe in People's Experiences of Ghosts, even if that means getting them help. Oh,
0: yeah. And I'm going to give a uh, Believe the Arnold Estate Was Haunted <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Believe in His help. Goodbye. Adios. Adios. Bye, bitch. Yacht. Happy trails, bitch. Sad triple speech.